Welcome back, everybody. It is the Malkinoff Sports Show, hosted by Dan Sadik here. No Ryan Brown or Zach Lacey or Jonathan Sullivan today. We may get a call in from Ryan at some point. But for now, it's just me. So if you'd like to call in with any of your sports takes or song requests, that number is 508-531-1303. Again, 508-531-1303. So make sure if you have a take, you have a song you want to hear played on the radio, you give us a call. Whether you're here on campus at Bridgewater State or you're just around, driving in the, in the car, listening on the app, whatever that may be, you got to take call us. So it's uh, October 8th. NFL Week 5 is in the books officially. And the Patriots roll on to another win over the just pathetic Washington Redskins team. Top to bottom, just that organization, that team, they just may as well go 0-16. Them and the Dolphins, it's going to be a race. But nonetheless, the Patriots roll over the Redskins. The first half wasn't all that pretty. And honestly, not not totally shocked by that. Not totally shocked by that. I mean, they've had great first halves uh, earlier in the season, but again, the whole core, the wide receiving core, kind of banged up. And let's be honest, you're not getting really anything at the tight end position. You're really not. And now I just worry. I worry because... For those of you that haven't heard, the Patriots cut Ben Watson. Uh, That happened on Monday. And look, was Ben Watson going to come in here and give the Patriots like, you know, 60 catches, like 800 yards, anything crazy like that? No, no, absolutely not. He would have at least been somewhat of a factor, right? Because he had a solid year last year with the Saints could still prove that he could work in an offense. He's not going to just be a decoy or a primary blocker the whole time. But at least he would have been another body on the field, another guy that Brady has a level of trust in. We all know that, especially going you know going back to the last time he was with the Patriots. The level of trust is there. So, yeah, do the Pats free up some money? They do. They're hovering at around $3.7 million in cap space now, which is better. It's better than where they were. But honestly, I don't know how much you can really get or how much wiggle room you have with $3.7 million in cap space. Maybe, maybe it's enough to help you get an Emmanuel Sanders down the pike, but not, not too sure how much wiggle room they're going to have here. But I can guarantee you this. They're going to make a trade. They will absolutely make a trade, whether that's for a wide receiver, a tight end, skill position, no matter what, they're going to get help there. They need it. And honestly, anybody at this rate, ideally Emmanuel Sanders, Stephon Diggs probably going to cost you too much. And it looks like the Vikings at least got him back on the program, got him back on the reservation to whatever extent that may be. I don't think they're going to trade him, at least not this season. So I could see the Patriots going after a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. Anybody sort of that fits that slot role that is able to get open, work in tight spaces, willing to you know, fight for balls in the middle of the field, that kind of guy, that kind of guy. And Emmanuel Sanders is absolutely that kind of guy. 
again, not sure Denver's willingness to deal him. Not too sure on the asking price, what that's going to be, how, like, what level of draft capital they're going to have to give up for that. But I think, I think it needs to happen. Partially, I mean, Philip Dorsett gave you nothing, and I just see this receiving core. If they're not totally healthy, which they don't seem to be, obviously, Josh Gordon have been dealing with a knee. Edelman with his thumb, that whole thing. I don't. I don't really have faith that they're going to be able to survive the whole season, get through the playoffs, get to the Super Bowl with this core, if they're not totally healthy. And they really haven't been. And it could get worse. But if like one of those guys goes down for an extended period of time, you're really in trouble. I said this before on the show couple weeks ago probably I think the first show of the semester just talking about how you need to rely on a guy like Josh Gordon right now and he's getting banged up I heard his his hands too like his hands have been bothering him so it's not it's just not really ideal and yeah they looked they looked great with Antonio Brown it looked like that was going to be something 07-esque just open it up five wide and Brady just goes to town, and he has just A.B. slotted at the number one guy, Josh Gordon and Edelman at the two, three, Dorsett and White or whoever else. It was going to, like, that Miami game at least gave you a peek into what the offense could have been like with another guy sort of at the top of that receiving core so that Edelman doesn't have to do, you know, carry nearly as much of the workload. Josh Gordon doesn't have to labor and basically just keep playing hurt and keep keep injuring himself, sort of. And they're not major injuries, but Edelman, apparently with a rib injury too, like, these are not things that are going to bode well going forward, especially as the schedule is going to get much harder. We're still in the midst of this very soft schedule for the Patriots, the way they started out. Yeah, they had to play the Steelers to open up the season, but that was right before Big Ben blew out his... Uh, his elbow, sh- shoulder, his whole arm, essentially. You had the Miami Dolphins with Antonio Brown on the field. I mean, like, seriously. Like, that's just not even fair. Not even fair. And the Dolphins just look like one of the worst teams I've seen on an NFL field in the past decade, as well as the, the Redskins, which the Patriots also blew out, and it did take them a little bit of time to get going. But nonetheless, I mean... 33 to 7. That's just there's just no shot there. They covered the spread like everything. I mean, so you're going to start playing tougher competition. Simple as that. The Giants are coming into Gillette next week, not saying that that's going to be a hard game. It's going to be harder than Miami. It should be harder than the Redskins game and that Jets game where you played their third string quarterback. I mean, like it's going to get harder. Daniel Jones, a little bit more competent. That Giants team, two and three, they have a little bit of something going. They're not going to be a playoff team, most likely. Like It would take something else there. But coming to New England against the Patriots, it's just it, it will get tougher there a little bit. Will they be able to get by with a similar performance in the first half against the Redskins? Probably. But after that... You go on the road against the Jets. 
And then you bring in a Cleveland team that I know they looked terrible again. They looked so, so bad yesterday on Monday Night Football. Like they, I really don't know what to make of it. The Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield, they just, they got, they got walloped, absolutely walloped by the San Francisco 49ers. And Baker Mayfield just having a tough year, continuing that tough year. I mean, really, every single game it feels like he has at least two interceptions, a fumble, like whatever it is. I don't. I really don't know what's going on over there, whether it's the coaching. It feels like the coaching. But also, you have to put a little bit of a, uh, the blame on Baker as well. I mean, the guy, the guy does not look anything like he did last year. Not a single bit. So... Yeah, that Browns game, probably another blowout for the Patriots. And the, the other thing I'll say, too, about this this uh, game Thursday against the Giants, you are coming off a short week. I know the Giants are, too, but just that's still a factor. The, the Pats are banged up, and that's going to play a factor, at least a little bit, probably on the lower scale of scoring on Thursday night. But then you get the Ravens coming in. Uh, rather, you go on the road to the Ravens in Baltimore. And they're 3-2 and two right now. Yeah, they did not look all that great against, against uh, Pittsburgh. But Lamar Jackson, to me, Lamar Jackson is still the real deal. And the Patriots, we all know, they have struggled historically over the past six, seven years, even more recently against uh, mobile quarterbacks. So another thing there, and he's legit. That guy, Lamar Jackson, absolutely legit. That defense, that defense did not look all that great. And, yeah, I know they got Earl Thomas back there. Maybe it was just a bad week, didn't have a great game plan going in. But nonetheless, that game, tougher game. You get the Eagles on the road again. You go two straight weeks on the road. Tough team. Tough team. Tough offense. Carson Wentz can move a little, a little bit too. And again, you're on the road. It's just a matter of how how much you can gain from that bye week. Um, really, it's to me that that definitely plays a role. Absolutely. And I think historically again, Brady and Belichick, they prepare as good if not better than everybody else in the league. Um especially with an extra week. So I'll give them I'll give them a little bit of credit there. Like they have a nice bye week set up. It's kind of like right in the middle of the season. And it could be just the perfect time after the schedule the easy part of the schedule winds down. You get that bye week. And then you really regroup and reset. So I like that. I like the spot of the bye week for them. And then yeah, Cowboys at home and then you're gonna ultimately have to play the Chiefs. It just it doesn't get easier again, quote unquote easier until like week fifteen, where you get the Bengals again, you get your your Jets and Dolphins, or rather Dolphins and Bills, and yeah, you're able to end the year on a lighter note. You're not going to be those games are not going to be hard at all. You're going to be able to practically sleepwalk through those. But this middle part of the schedule, I'm telling you, they need to figure out, identify a guy out there you can bring in. Because if anybody, Edelman, Gordon, those two main guys right there, they're not healthy or they go down with a big injury, like, you are done. I don't care how many times you can hand it off to Sony Michelle with a fullback in front. 
and you run that power offense, ground and pound, it did help last year. They did make that sort of switch, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't see them being able to replicate that. I mean, they were able to go on the road to Kansas City in the AFC title game. They were able to establish that running game again. They were able to run all over the Chiefs, and the Chiefs have a terrible run defense. I mean, they're top three worst in the league this year, and so maybe maybe you can come close to replicating that, but you have to be able to throw to somebody. There's not, not going to be a Rob Gronkowski on third and tens at Arrowhead Field in the AFC Championship game again this year. It's not happening. Yeah, you'll have Edelman there who is always, always clutch, always making catches in huge spots, always helping you convert on third downs, but I just don't trust I don't trust them to rely heavily or too heavily on both their running game and their defense. I love their defense. We're going to get to that a little bit more, a little bit later, but again, you already have a big fat question mark at kicker after placing Steven Gostowski on the IR. You bring in Mike Nugent, who, again, he's established, but he's not nearly as accurate historically as Gostowski. I mean, not many people are, but, you know, this guy misses an extra point. He hits the rest of the stuff he needs to do um, this past week. But I don't trust him to make a big kick. I don't want the Patriots to be in that spot where it's like, all right, we could either kick a field goal here or we could go for it on fourth and two and really risk it because I don't really trust the kicker. And that's what happened in the Super Bowl. In Super Bowl f- 53, Brady had to sort of like convince or at least you know, nudge Belichick in that direction for Gestowski to hit the, uh, the kick when they were up 10-3. And, I mean, it's just not a good, never good, when you don't trust your kicker to the point where you're going to put possibly a Super Bowl victory in the hands of your offense, which, again, they were great. They were able to run the ball really well towards the, towards the end of last season and in the Super Bowl. And they went, they elected uh, Gasowski to ultimately kick that field goal, put them up 10 points, and that was that. But Mike Nugent, I'm sorry. I do not trust a Mike Nugent or whoever else. Did I really trust Gostowski? I mean, after what he's shown us this season (laughs) so far, no, absolutely not. And his track record the past few years, absolutely not. But at least he's been in the system. At least you know what you have there for the most part. With Mike Nugent, I don't know. The guy is on the other side of 30 as well, and who knows? Who knows if, if he he ends up blowing something out and he has to get surgery or he goes down, whatever it is, you just have these question marks that I feel like they really ought to make a move. Get a skill player. Get someone else in there. Keep doing what you did this past Sunday when you were getting Sony Michelle involved in the past game, albeit only a few actual receptions didn't really blow doors open but you'll take that you'll you'll absolutely take that because you at this rate what else do you have like yeah i i like their weapons overall i think they're good but at the top of it edelman and gordon being banged up 
it just it makes it that much harder. As well as your running game, James Devlin down for the year, things like that. Isaiah Wynn on the IR. You don't have Nikhil Harry, your first-round draft pick. I don't know why they're not getting their third-round draft pick at running back, Damian Harris, involved. Where's that guy? Where's that guy? Because don't tell me it's because, oh, he's a rookie. You know, we can't get him involved yet, or he doesn't know the system. Like, whatever. I don't care. Josh Jacobs is doing just fine over in Oakland. Uh, Saquon Barkley, I'm not calling Damian Harris Saquon Barkley, but he raked last year. Yeah, I know he got hurt this year, but he was great last year for, for the Giants. Yeah, did it result in a playoff appearance? No, but that's besides the point. The point is, young running backs, even rookies, can make big impacts in the league. They can explode. They can work. And Damian Harris at least showed he could work in the preseason. I just don't get why the reluctance or whatever it is, the hesitancy to really give that guy some of the workload. I know, like, instead of Brandon Bolden, like, why does Brandon Bolden have to get out there for five attempts for 13 yards, 2.6 average? Like, why do we need to see that? Why can't those five carries go to a guy like Damian Harris? I know Bolden is one of Belichick's guys, I mean, he's got to be at this rate. If you're still hanging around on this team after all these years, and he's really a special teams guy. He's not, you know, again, five. Five attempts for 13 yards. His long was five. Like, how about giving Damian Harris some of those reps? It really wouldn't hurt. Really wouldn't hurt. And it just, I don't know. But encouraging thing is Sony Michelle having a nice big day, getting 16 for 91 with a touchdown and a 25-yard run. That's good. Sony Michelle has to get back going as well because you need anything you can get in this offense. But I don't want it to just rely. I don't want them to get back in that spot where they just rely on the run game and they lean on it so much to the point where that's, that's really their main offense. That's like their main offensive output, or that's one of the main ways they're able to get in the end zone. They're not as effective passing. I just think they need everything they can get out of Sony Michelle, both in the running game and the passing game. James White, hopefully he can give you more than six, um, you know, six attempts for 26 yards. I mean, I don't know if he has to be running it that much. But, again, Sony Michelle in the passing game, as much as you can, that that will at least help. At least help because I think they're going to make a move. But if they don't, these are the types of things, especially before they really hit the bye week and start facing a bit of a gauntlet of a schedule, you want your offense to be as up to snuff, as up to speed, as healthy as possible because their defense, again, Amazing! They haven't allowed a single passing touchdown yet this year. We're going into week six. It's 2019. This league encourages passing more so than it ever has. The way the rules are set up, they've now brought in the ability to challenge pass interference calls as well. Like, this is, we are in the passing era. It is the golden age for quarterbacks to be able to put up the biggest numbers 
that the league has ever seen. You know, we saw it with Pat Mahomes last year. The guy threw 50 touchdowns. He had MVP type of year. Yeah, it was his second year. His first year starting, you would have never seen that in my mind. You would never have seen those kind of numbers from essentially a rookie quarterback's second year guy like 12 years ago, even like 12, 14 years ago around there, the mid-2000s. You wouldn't see that. No way. And the Pats' D has not let up a single passing touchdown. Absolutely insane. With 11 picks, the defense is ridiculous. So I don't, yeah, will their defense be able to help bail them out here and there? Yeah, for sure. They already showed that against the Buffalo Bills. And also, I mean, you just can't rely on them too much. I just, I think, ultimately, your defense can can only win you so many games. You can only be kept in by your defense for so many games. Like, at some point, you're going to lose to an uh, offensively superior team if you can at least have a very effective, consistent passing game. And, yeah, it's not like Brady had a terrible day or threw, like, 100 yards you know, he, he was 28 for 42, 348 with three TDs. But, again, that first half did not look all that good. The offense did not look good at all against the Buffalo Bills. And, again, like a good defense in the Buffalo Bills. But once they start playing these real teams, these real tough teams that actually have legit offenses, because, yeah, your defense has looked great, not knocking them in any shape or form. But you haven't played any legitimate wow you type of offenses like you got your Kansas City Chiefs your Philadelphia Eagles the Cowboys offense uh, has shown what they can do yeah they dropped to the Saints last week they lost to the Packers this past week but like that offense still very potent mobile quarterback the Patriots have been getting gashed a bit um, on the running side at least so Zeke Elliott legit Baucow running back that will probably have a big day on you. So just being conscious, being aware that this offense still needs plenty of work. They could use another guy to come in. I'm hoping if they do, it's Manuel Sanders. That uh, I was talking to somebody earlier, like, hey, you know, we're talking about Ben Watson being released, you know, and a trade having to be on the pike somewhere, right? You cut Ben Watson you get a little bit of money. That's got to be what the real motivation is for that for that transaction. They got to bring in somebody. And I'm not saying pay through the nose, overspend for an Emmanuel Sanders, but at this stage of his career, I don't think you'd have to give up a whole lot for him. And cap space-wise, probably make it work. You might have to make one more move or maybe throw a guy in there. But... Doing stuff like extending Kyle Van Noy, that can help you as well, give you a little bit more cap relief for this year. But I just think that, again, going back to their offense, that still needs work. That's like my main thing. And them cutting Ben Watson basically in hopes to bring another guy in on the open market, I think, tells you a lot. It tells you a lot. And Brady hasn't really... Whenever he's asked about the young guys, like 
your Jacoby Myers or the tight ends like Matthew Lacoste or Ryan Izzo. He doesn't really say a whole lot, and he doesn't really seem all that enthusiastic about his overall receiving core, everything. So we'll see what happens there on that front. Obviously, we're getting closer to the trade deadline, week eight, so definitely be on the lookout for that. But when Belichick was asked about Ben Watson, he said, we don't have a spot on the roster for him right now. I wonder if that's a precursor, a little foreshadowing, maybe down the pike. He's not picked up by another team. He's just still out there, and Bill's able to make a call, bring him in if they have the room. But, yeah, I'm honestly a little bummed. I kind of wanted to see Ben Watson on the field with Brady again. It would be a little nostalgic, a little Patriots nostalgia, you know. But, nonetheless, I think something good will come from it. You know, probably not getting A.J. Green or a guy like that. A.J. Green essentially compared himself and his legacy career or whatever to Larry Fitzgerald, basically staying with the same team, never leaving, being a lifer, that kind of thing on one team. So I don't see him getting dealt. Also, Drake or Patrick on that team basically had a thinly veiled threat. Like, you t- talking about A.J. Green possibly being traded. He, and I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, you better not do it. Like, you do not want to know, like, like how we'll react like the the locker room essentially would basically turn on the team if that happened and I wouldn't blame them that's by far their best player on that team so yeah that's that's what we got going here today Patriots they take care of the Redskins 33 to 7 but things will get tougher they will and they're not that healthy offensively they could use some help there they cut Ben Watson they get some cap relief but ultimately what is their game plan? Who are they targeting out there on the market? I can, I guarantee you, someone's coming in here within the next two to three weeks. I'm hoping Emmanuel Sanders. Obviously, probably, probably will be wrong on that one. But nonetheless, we're, we're going to take a short break here. Uh, and we'll be back with more NFL talk. We'll get into a couple segments, a little fantasy favorites. Uh, I got the guys' picks, even though they're not here. Uh, So I'll have all that for you. Mortal locks of the week as well. So be sure to stay tuned in. Again, if you want to call into the show, you have a take, you got a mortal lock, anybody you like in fantasy this week, next week, give us a call, 508-531-1303. Again, call into WBIM with your take or a song request at 508-531-1303. One three zero three. This is the Mouth and Off Sports Show, hosted here by Dan Sadik. We'll be right back with more sports talk on ninety one point five WBIM. Again, you're listening to the Mouth and Off Sports Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Mouth and Off Sports Show here on WBIM 91.5 FM. If you want to call us, the number is 508-531-1303. Call us with your sports takes, song requests, anything like that. We'll be happy to take them. 
and you'll get to be on the air as well. So it's a double bonus. So we got a couple segments here, and since it's just me this week in the studio, I'll facilitate the other guys' picks. We'll start with fancy favorites. Now, I only have one from Jonathan, so I'll give mine. And he has a couple, so he kind of makes up. Now, he is an RB1. He has had some tough weeks, notably fumbling the ball. But I'm telling you right now, if you're a fantasy fantasy owner or you play daily fantasy, whatever it is, Chris Carson, I'm telling you, against the Cleveland Browns this week, he's a lock for just having a huge day fantasy-wise. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Seattle, firstly, coming off a big win. Big, big win at home uh, against the Rams. So I think they're going to continue that trend. Again, I have them winning the NFC West, so it just makes sense in my mind. But they're also going up against the Cleveland Browns, who, one, have just been struggling mightily now all season long through the first five weeks. I mean, their offense has not been able to do anything, but that's besides the point. Defensively, they have allowed the third most rushing yards in the league They average allowing 150.8 for a good total of 754 yards on the ground against them. So, again, you take Chris Carson because even if he's not really that involved in the passing game, we'll see. He's going to be running all over the Browns. I'm telling you that right now. So make sure if you have Chris Carson or you're about to play Daily Fantasy, he's a lock. Absolute lock. Uh, So... Jonathan has a couple here, and I'll just facilitate these out to you. Larry Fitzgerald versus the Falcons. Falcons, D, have been honestly getting shredded by wide receivers. I like that pick. And the Falcons have been letting up perennially. Oh, my gosh. Like 20-plus every single week. So I'm really out out on the Falcons big time. So Larry Fitz versus the Falcons. That's who Sully likes. He also likes Marquise Goodwin of the 49ers against the Rams at the Rams this week. And I like that one, too. He, Jimmy G's been looking his way, especially if Jimmy Garoppolo has a nice, good, clean game and they're competitive against the Rams. Yeah, expect Marquise Goodwin to have a day, or at least a pretty solid day. And then Derrick Henry of the Titans against the Bron- uh, Broncos, which, you know, that's solid. That's solid. I like that one, too. I'll say I like that one, too. Derrick Henry versus the Broncos. And, again, the Broncos, towards the end of the pack in terms of giving up rushing yards per game. So I definitely don't mind that pick at all. So those are guys we like this week in fantasy football, week six. Now, for mortal locks of the week. Now, I'm like a good 0-3 in these, I'm pretty sure. So definitely just take the opposite of what I give you, but I actually love this one because I don't know how I don't know how Cleveland is favored in this game. I know they're at home, but Cleveland is favored by one against the Seattle Seahawks, which I think is one of the most questionable lines I've ever seen. Just why? So Seattle plus one, absolutely. I don't I don't see Seattle losing to that Cleveland team. How? Someone would need to explain to me how on earth the Cleveland Browns beat the Seattle Seahawks this week. I don't care if they're at home. I don't care. If anybody's even watched the Cleveland Browns season, 
for five minutes, if you've given them five minutes of your time, and even that's too much, you know they are bad. Oh, are they bad. That offense, man, I I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. You got two really good weapons. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. You got Nick Chubb, who's a pretty good running back. I know their tight end, uh, Ninjoku, went down, but you have enough there. So, no shot that the Cleveland Browns win, that they win by a point, anything like that. They'll probably lose by 10. So I don't I don't get that I don't get that line whatsoever. Jonathan likes Denver minus two and a half over Tennessee, which I would take that too. Honestly, I like that pick. I do like that pick. Um, yeah, Denver minus two and a half over Tennessee, which obviously you kn- you just knew Ryan had to have the opposite of that, which I hate. I mean. Tennessee lost to the Bills this past week, which, yeah, are the Bills pretty solid? Yeah, I'd say so, but seven points. Man, Titans, you can only put up seven measly points against them. I know, a good D, but still, come on. What are you doing? So, yeah, Ryan has Tennessee plus two and a half over Denver. I don't like it. Don't like it, Ryan. I know Denver... I know they, they got a nice win over the Chargers. They get their first on the season, but come on. Like, the Chargers have been pretty in- inconsistent as well. I just don't let, I don't know. I would love Denver two and a half over Tennessee. So we got that as well. And Zach, this man, Zach Lacey, folks, he is so in on the 49ers. I've never seen someone so in on a team like Zach. Yeah, 33-1 to 1 over the Browns last night. Pretty good. It is pretty good. I'll give it to them. Again, they haven't played anyone really that tough either. They're kind of like in the Patriots boat there, but I'll, I'll give it to them. 31-3, that's still a good win. It looks, like, it looks like their offense is figuring it out overall. George Kittles had a nice night last night as well for them. So, yeah, I can kind of understand why Zach is so in on the 49ers. I'm just... It, like it's a good story, it is. But minus four, Zach. Uh, I mean, sorry, plus four versus the Rams. That is ambitious. Believe they're at the Rams as well, so it's a road game. That's going to be tough. That is going to be a tough, tough matchup, especially against a Rams team that's going to look to bounce back after a, just a, a tough, tough, tough one point loss to the Seattle Seahawks uh, this past Thursday. I just, wow. Zach really is totally bought in on the San Francisco 49ers. So, yeah, he likes them plus four against the Rams. And those are our mortal locks of the week. I know Ryan and Jonathan will be battling over uh, Denver and Tennessee. So those are some solid lines, some solid picks. Lock them up. Absolutely. Uh, so that that's what we got there for fantasy favorites and mortal locks. But definitely, again, if you're a fantasy player, definitely hammer Chris Chris Carson. He's gonna have a big day. I think. I think Le'Veon Bell will probably also have a big game. 
yeah, I know he's struggled a little bit. That offense has struggled without Sam Darnold, but Sam Darnold is back. So uh, I'll tell you that if you put Sam Darnold back in there, you're able to get Le'Veon Bell actual looks like out of the backfield, some actual targets, as well as the running game as well. So, I mean, I think he just benefits greatly from having Darnold back. So if I had to give you another one, it would, it would be Le'Veon Bell for sure. For sure. So, again, going back here, we'll, we'll get into more Celtics uh, and Bruins next week when we got the guys in. Um, I may have a Celtics thought towards the end of the show, which, you know, basically will just be kind of like where I'm at with them at this rate as they won their first preseason game against the New Orleans Hornets. So, sorry, Charlotte Hornets. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. The freaking Hornets, uh, led by Terry Rozier, the the almighty Terry Rozier. Uh, So, yeah, I might give you guys a Celtics thought towards the end of the the show. But, again, if you all have a take, you want to call in, got a song you want played on the air, you can call us at 508-531-1303. Again, 508-531-1303 as the Mountain Off Sports Show on 91.5 WBIM. Hosted here by Dan Sadik. Uh, so we'll definitely get into more of that next week. That I can promise you. And f- as for the Red Sox, I think we all know. We all know how we feel about that. And we'll probably get a nice MLB playoff segment in next week, too. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. And again, you can follow us if you want on Twitter at Mouth and Off Radio. There's no G there at Mouth and off radio and we that's good too because we post the shows there if anybody wants to listen to it or they missed the show on air live go check it out go check it out they all get posted right there on twitter so we will uh take another quick break here and then we'll come back we'll have more nfl talk probably have another patriots taken there and then we'll see where we go from there we may have a caller Ryan might be able to call into the show. I'm going to try to get an update from him on that. And we'll take that short break and probably just a few songs here again. You're listening to the Mouth and Off Sports Show here on 91.5 WBIM, hosted by Dan Sadik here. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Mouth and Off Sports Show here, hosted by Dan Sadik, broadcasting to you live on WBIM 91.5 FM. And yes, I am going to get into some more NFL talk, but I'm going to save that for when Ryan calls in because, you know what, I do have some Celtics that I want to talk about. I do have a little bit of a take here, just in general, on the team. It's nothing hot. It's, it's not a that hot of a take considering what we had to witness last season with that team and I'm just going to say this first and foremost I cannot be more satisfied with the fact that it seems like the team thus far has chemistry seems like they like each other it feels like a group 
that is going to be a tightly knit group, say, five months from now when things start really getting serious. I, and yeah, it's a little early. They haven't played meaningful, uh, meaningful basketball yet. It's been preseason, but let me tell you this. They are going to be so much better off without Kyrie Irving, with Kemba Walker, with a guy that isn't feeding you a bunch of crap, for lack of a better term. Feeding you crap. Last year, right before the season started, we talked about it on this show. It was Kyrie Irving had sort of a private, like, on-court thing where he was talking to season ticket holders, and he told them, he told them, if you guys will have me back, I plan on resigning here next summer. And that all changed very quickly. On the surface, I mean, you could just tell that team was never going anywhere. They never were. And you know why? People want to put some of the blame on Brad. They want to put some of the blame on the young guys like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, whoever. Yeah, maybe, maybe just a little bit, like a sliver. Because I'm telling you, I give I give like 95% of the blame for last season to Kyrie Irving. 95. Maybe even higher. 99. Like, tell me why. Someone explain to me how that team was supposed to go anywhere when it's been widely reported that Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, that whole relationship going to join up on one team... That was happening in, like, November, allegedly. If I'm led to believe that, then you just piece two and two together. Kyrie had one foot out the door last year, the whole year. He gave the season ticket holders, whoever saw that, a little bit of nugget of, of don't worry, like, you know, I'm going to resign here. My guess, he was hoping that just nobody was going to talk about it for the rest of the year, like, Oh, like, this will blow over. Like, I've addressed it, so I'm never going to be asked about it. But then the team starts to struggle. They're basically looking like an average team. And on the court, they're blowing leads. They're going into these ridiculous deficits. And it starts to boil over a little bit. You see some pushing from Marcus Morris and Jalen Brown. And then all of a sudden... That December-January time frame rolls around, and Kyrie Irving is clearly off the reservation. He's done. And it, it became apparent to people on the surface then. Like, before, like, even though it was reported, you know, after the season gets reported, this was all in the works beforehand for him to leave or to join up with Kevin Durant somewhere. Like, he finally let his colors start to show. When he was that that quote where he goes, you know, he's asked about resigning or free agency, and he basically just says, "Ask me July first. Ask me July first. I mean, come on, that guy. Yes, he deserves the blame. He deserves the vast majority of the blame because I trust that reporting. I trust that reporting. There's other NBA players who made sort of that hint. Oh, yeah, like, we knew about this. Like, we knew that was going to happen. Like, are you serious? You expect me to think the season doesn't totally fall on your shoulders when you had, you were two-thirds out the door, essentially, and it just, 
you were just a an empty jersey on that Celtics team. You put up some of the best numbers in your career, Kyrie, but that's going to happen when it's your second year removed from playing with a guy like LeBron James who is going to dominate the stat sheet, dominate the ball for the most part. So he got his first taste at dominating the ball. And in 2017, I mean, that was fine. That was totally fine. I mean, you could... He was successful, even though uh, Gordon Hayward went down. They won 16 straight in the early part of that stretch of the 2017 season. Okay? Like, so to me, there's no reason why, no reason why they, sh- they, like, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't have replicated that to an extent. Go back to the Eastern Conference Finals Game 7, 2018, in the 2017-2018 season. And he's not there because he has to get nose surgery or whatever. Why? You couldn't be there for your team? We would rip anybody else. Anybody else would get ripped. And he deserves to be ripped for that. I don't think enough people did at the time. Some, like, talk shows, some talk radio shows did. But, like, it really is true. Like, in what other sport, what other sport could the best player on your team, you know, be out? and not be there to support his teammates, his organization in Game 7. Basically, do or die. You win, you go to the finals. That is what was at stake in that game. And, like, seriously, he just didn't show up. He just wasn't there. And there's reports that he was traveling separately with the team this past season at at times. Like, why? Like, I would just ask that question. Why do you, like, things like that, things like that, and it probably wasn't paid enough attention to at the time. And it, it it's clear. He was his own doing his own thing, wasn't fully invested in the team, was already working on, all right, free agency 2019, what am I going to do? He, he was already crafting that. Probably after he missed that game, like, or like once he had the screws pulled out of his knees in 27, uh, 2018, that spring, the wheels probably already started to spin. They were already starting to get going there, probably with wh- whoever. Maybe it wasn't KD at first, but, like, that just, it it tells you all you need to know. It really does. That guy was never going to work here. He didn't want it to work here, and that's why that season, last season, is on him, no one else. I had times where I was starting to blame Brad in my own mind or give him at least, like, close to an equal share with Kyrie. Boy, I was wrong about that. No way. Because, yeah, one could ask the question, could pose it, like, can Brad Stevens really get guys to buy in like a big superstar type of caliber player? Or is he just good with guys that he can coach up, he can get the most out of them, and he'll take them to a certain point, but that's about it. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's true. I, I just think he got a guy that is so uniquely, just diva, like just just so uniquely out there in terms of how he perceives himself, all of that. So, and like his his role with the team, everything. I mean, I just feel like. Every time he opened his mouth last season, it got worse and worse from the 
call me July or ask me July first to believe it was around the All Star weekend around that time, and he's walking in, and there's cameras like you know backtracking, and you know they're sort of just filming him, and he makes a comment like, "Oh, I can't wait, you know, for all this, you know, like I don't need any of this." Like, dude, you came out with your own movie, Uncle Drew. You're in the works t- to do more stuff like that. Don't tell me you don't want the cameras in your face. Don't tell me you don't want that attention. You do. If, like, that's what you're... You don't do movies. You don't do all these other other things and, and make that uh, Brooklyn video. If you don't want any attention, we got a caller. Uh, we'll be right back. Just one moment. Alrighty. So, the caller is who I expected. It is Ryan Brown, as he is... Hopping in right in the middle of my uh, Kyrie Irving rant. Ryan, how we doing, my friend? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm glad you brought up Kyrie Irving because I'm glad that falls out of the town as much as he's a sort of kind of Duke boy. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you have to respect him a little bit. I mean, you because of the Duke connection. But, yeah, no, I, uh, I'm, I'm ripping him one more time because he deserves it. Because lo- looking back, man, I, I was thinking about it. I had a point in time last season or at the end where I'm like, you know, yeah, Kyrie, like, gets, he should get some blame. But I was also trying to look at Brad Stevens and be like, yeah, like, at some point, though, like, Brad, you have to do something, whatever. No, no. Because looking back, after the reporting that, uh, that came out after last season that NBA players in, their, in those circles kind of knew what Kyrie was kind of up to, Kyrie and KD, they were already kind of planning that. The wheels were already spinning. I think the wheels started spinning right after Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals in 2018. They started spinning. Come again? So, uh, Ryan is currently being spoken to right now. I'll give him a second. But, it, like, it is not on Brad Stevens. No shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. No shot. I mean, like, even a sliver, like, I, I, like maybe like a half of a percent. But Kyrie, if that reporting is remotely true about him already getting the wheel spun early last season, his foot was already halfway out the door. I don't care about the numbers he put up. His foot was out the door. He wasn't motivated. He wasn't invested into that team overall. And any issues that they, like, faced, any adversity, he, he wasn't, like, he didn't care enough. To yeah, actually it, help them over that hump. And it showed as soon as they lost the game in the playoffs last year after that quick 5-0 start, sweeping the Pacers, taking game one in Milwaukee. As soon as they dropped game two, you just got that vibe of, oh, okay, maybe maybe this isn't going to be all good and well. And then it just kept going in Boston, and it just did not end well whatsoever. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of blame needs to be handed to Kyrie. But I still think there's enough blame to go around where you can't just say it's entirely not Brad Stevens' fault or it's entirely not any of the young guys' fault for being able to put differences aside and stuff like that. So overall, it, was, it just seemed like that was just not the right makeup of a team. Whereas you see already in preseason games, all the guys on the bench are off and getting rowdy and cheering each other on, looking like they're having a blast. And it's preseason. Yep. Yep. And that's, I don't know how many times we saw that last year, but it didn't seem like a often. No. I mean, it's just... Uh, it just people, I feel like, 
Yeah, he was getting blasted at times on, uh, like, you know, local radio here in the area. But, like, I just, I don't know, personally, like, I just, I kept giving him passes, even no matter how, like, just, I don't know, conceited or whatever word you want. He always just sounded like the smartest guy in the room. I know everything. Like, I can talk circles around everybody. And, again, after uh, that one Bucks game where... They lost, uh, it wasn't even by all that much, but he shot it so much, and he wouldn't stop shooting, and he was having a terrible, I think he shot like 30%, and they asked him after yeah. the game, he said, I, I should have shot more. Like, I'm sorry, what? Should have <laughs> shot more? Sir. I mean, it's that kind of, like, attitude. His attitude towards the team and his approach to the game, totally the antithesis of what Brad Stevens preaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it showed. Like, you go, like, I think it was 8 of 27, that game that you're talking about. Yep. And he still has the shooter's mentality, which is fine. Dude, if you still think, like, shoot or shoot, that's just how it is. Yep. But at the same time, you you got to be able to adjust. If, you, if your shot's not on, you can still look for your shot, but just don't keep forcing the same poor shot. The, the manner, you. his manner about it. Yeah, just... and that's, that's what was wrong about it. And if, if that manner is is showing up on the surface to us and to the media, it had to have been showing up on the court or just with the team. He w- At times, he was flying separately from the team, like stuff like that, dude. You're never going to work, especially on a Boston team. If you're doing stuff like that, it's never going to work. He never wanted it to work, which is why he went back to Brooklyn and basically spewing the same type of stuff he spewed here when he first got here. Now, that could change year two, but year one, he was fine here because it, it seemed like he wanted it to work. They had that 16-game win streak, but once he they took the screws out of his knees, the young guys go on a big run in the playoffs, and it's just kind of like sour grapes for him, or it's like, you know, like petty. It's like, oh, I'm going to go get my nose surgery, and then I'm going to... I'm going to call up KD, and we're going to figure out where we're going to go next summer. Yeah, it seemed pretty petty and salty, if you ask me. Any other sport, Ryan, name me another sport, another team, where that would just fly, like, and no one would really bat an eye about it, where you're, you're the best player on the franchise, on the team, bar none, and you don't show up for Game 7 to get you into the finals just because you have a quote-unquote no surgery that you could have gotten done any other time. Ridiculous. No other sport that happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't really think of any, any, any similar situation off the top of my head, which is not good for – got a good look for Kyrie. No. And, again, before we move on, like, the Brooklyn video. Again, like, not wanting the attention. He does want the attention. He makes that Brooklyn video. And when he – his first words at the press conference about, you know – everything with the Celtics and he just it's like he's he's in that honeymoon phase again and once he gets out of the honeymoon phase he sours and I you know probably is more unlikely to happen in Brooklyn because he has KD there his boy but at the same time like KD is basically just six foot ten Kyrie and that could be a just a bad mix of personalities clashing that who knows who knows how that actually ends up panning out for them. I, I think once those two get on the court together, it'll be fine. 
Uh, but until then, I, I don't know how Kyrie's going to mesh with these Brooklyn young guys. I mean, right? you talk about we had a, what we consider here in Boston a very good young core of players. And now he goes to Brooklyn where they have a similar group of young core players, but they're not as talented. How, how is that going to work? How How is that how right. is he if, if he wasn't able to, to put up with it I don't know if it was chemistry or, or talent or what but if he couldn't put up with the group of guys that we had and the talent that we had it doesn't it's not any better in Brooklyn without KD no so, no I, I don't know I don't know what he what he's thinking here he's just they're gonna have to put up with him until KD gets back and that might be a while yeah I'm pretty sure they said they don't like they don't plan on having them on the court at all this season. So that, that would make the most sense. Yeah, that, that tells you they're just going to go for a hard reset after this year. And, oh, see how far Kyrie can take uh, can take his new squad. But, yeah, and KD also said today on Twitter, or he said in, like, a interview or whatever, that the Knicks aren't cool anymore. <laughs> and it just it spurred a whole frenzy on Twitter. And he responded to, like, so many people, too. They're all like, oh, you're, you're going to get booed out of your own home court next year or whatever. So that should be fun. That should be fun. The Barclays Center should be a nice, fun time for the next few years. Um, yeah. So we'll move on. I had to get some of that Kyrie stuff off my chest one more time because, again, it, it really is. Like, if you just look at the totality of what happened between the season ticket holder meeting Everything else, man. Uh, talk to me July 1st. Everything. He he really is, like, just one of the most hated, I think. Hated athletes that, like, because you, you had a guy like Ray Allen that became hated for a little while. But what Kyrie did is more so, like, hey, you took a chance on me. And I'm gonna give you one pretty good year. I'm gonna, and then the whole knee thing. And then he literally just, just the most negative energy I've I've seen on like a Boston team in a while. So glad that's over. And yeah. we'll move on. But, uh, let's, let's, yeah, let's let's agree to leave that in the past from from here on out on mouth and off sports. No more Kyrie talk. We're y- done with him. Yep. Done. Yep. He needed one more one more uh, little little rant there, but. We'll, we'll, we'll move on to football, as I know you'll have your mortal lock, and you will also have your any fantasy guys that you like as well. I gave out uh, Jonathan and, and mine as well. So start wherever you'd like, whether it's a guy or two that you love for fantasy this week, or it's your mortal lock, which, you know, you and Jonathan kind of clashing on there. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Uh... So I don't know if you brought it up already. I'm sure you did. Yep. But uh, the mortal lock for me is Tennessee plus two and a half over Denver. I hate it. Uh, I I think this is – we talked about it last week. I think Jonathan himself even hit on it. The Tennessee Titans are the team. They win games they're not supposed to win, and they lose games they're supposed to win. And I don't know what he's seeing – but to me, this is the quintessential. They're the road underdog. They're going up a team against a team that they shouldn't beat. That's why they're the <laughs> underdog. And so this is this this is the situation where Marcus Mariota will win. 
And I'm surprised Jonathan feels differently about that, but he should know better. And he should know that the road underdogs this year have been playing very well, as we also touched on last year, uh, last week. Yeah. So I don't know where his head's at, but I'm sure the way things go with Mortal Lock, seeing as how I'm 0-2-1 on the season, last week was a push. <laughs> push. Rams plus one was a push. Nah. Um... I don't know. We'll see. But I, I feel I feel pretty good about that one. I just, I don't know. I just see Tennessee falling 14-7 to to Buffalo this week. And I, I look ahead, and I just feel like, I don't know. I just feel like Denver is going to ultimately find their second win in this one. And I think they'll cover. But that's besides the point. Um, before you get to your other stuff, I'll throw mine in there, back in there, so you can, you know, your take. And because I was looking up the odds earlier, and I spat out my coffee, and I wasn't even drinking any for once. And the the Seattle Seahawks are road dogs to the Browns. They're, wow! They're plus plus one, plus one. Seattle plus one on the road against the Browns. Someone would have to like brainwash me. For me to think that the Browns could cover one point against the Seahawks after what they put on display last night. Oh my yeah. God. So, uh, is this the third week in a row where you you're, you changed your opinion on the uh, Cleveland Browns? Out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Jesus. Yep. Oh man. You, you're just going to gonna be an endless carousel. I'm back. Yeah. I'm back. I'm out. If they, I'm sorry, but if they do beat the Seahawks, I'm absolutely back. But right now, I'm out. <laughs> but, yeah. All right, yeah. so for fantasy guys that I'm liking this week, uh, you alluded to the, the Browns game last night against the 49ers. Uh, a pair of their running backs went off. Uh, Matt Breida and yep. Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman returning from injury. Both got about 15 touches uh, and they looked very well very good both of them were able to rack up over 100 yards from scrimmage and actually I think they both scored touchdowns as well and this week they go up against the Rams and the way the Rams defense has been playing of late uh, they dropped you know they let up 55 to the Bucks. yeah that's and bad and 30 to the Seahawks so I could definitely see that game being high scoring and I could see the running back duos going off for a second straight week. So I would definitely like them hmm. going this week. Um, as far as people that I don't like, uh, Delaney Walker has been trending down yeah. the last couple of weeks. He, he came out hot the first three weeks, but the last two weeks, he has one catch in each of the games Ooh. under 10 yards. So he he is cooling off big time. I'm not saying I'm not saying you can't start him, but I would I would start to if you have another decent option, I would consider it, especially when Tennessee is going up against Denver. Denver usually does a decent job against them. Yep. Um, 
the Broncos do have some injury situations, um, especially in linebacker and safety. That's why I kind of like Tennessee to cover in that game. But Delaney, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to bank on as a tight end one. If there are alternatives out there on your roster, I would definitely consider that. I got you there. Yeah, I um, for me, I gave this one earlier, but I'll give it again. Chris Carson is going to run all over the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns' run D is the third worst in the league. Like, they're just so bad, and their offense can't stay on the field. So, I guarantee you, Chris Carson, coming off uh, a nice week against the Rams, had 23.8, and really two straight very good breakout weeks for him after uh, you know dropping just 3.5 and 8.2 the previous two. I like him to have a third straight big week against that terrible Browns D. And now that Sam Darnold is back, I would also say Le'Veon Bell should have a big day. Like, if you're a daily fantasy guy, Le'Veon Bell, I think, is going to have a big day getting his uh, his QB back. He'll get more more of uh, more looks and more targets in the passing game with a competent guy throwing it to him, at least a semi-competent guy. So, love yeah. you on Bell as well. It's important that you clarify that that's the daily fantasy situation because I think anyone with Le'Veon Bell knows yeah. they're starting. Their no, yeah, he, they have a plethora, an embarrassment of riches at running back. He's more, yeah, that's why I said daily fantasy. He's more of like, yeah, if you're doing the DraftKings, the FanDuel, like, that's, I like him for that because, you know, you need guys that are going to yeah. put up the most points. And, yeah, he might cost you a little bit, but I just, I think he's going to have a huge game. Yeah, it's not like Jonathan. Yo, last week, let's, let's, let's start out. Make sure you put DeAndre Hopkins in your lineups. Yeah, and then and then he Sorry. finished it with, Sorry. yeah, so hopefully DeAndre Hopkins, you know, ha- has a good game. Yeah, no crap, you, you say hopefully. <laughs> He's on your yeah, team. I, would, I like DeAndre Hopkins this week. Oh, really, the best wide receiver in the league, <laughs> arguably. Thanks. That's a great suggestion. Let yeah. me throw him into my lineup because he's definitely available in the league. Yeah, totally. Definitely not 100% owned. Yeah. What, what are we doing here? Yeah, seriously. Unbelievable. Um, so I did want to do, I put out that we were going to do a little power ranking, too, of the league. Okay. A little top five, nothing crazy. So, you know, I know it's kind of on the spot. I, didn't, I wasn't really too sure because I tried to flush this out myself earlier, and I had a hard time. I'm not going to lie. I definitely had a hard, hard time. Number one. I mean, Patriots. I think that's clear. Yeah, we can agree on that one. Number one, very clear is the Patriots. And number two, like, this is where I already, I I started to get a little, like, man, I don't know. I KC would be an easy pick, but that Saints team, man, that Saints team, they're looking good. Yeah. And and if they... I'd have to preface it with with they if they get Drew Brees back and he's healthy, like he can grip the ball correctly, all of that. But Teddy Bridgewater is doing a phenomenal job at filling in. He's he is filling as the back like he's filling that backup role better than you could ever ask for. That's why some teams like the Saints are willing to pay backup quarterbacks, you know, a decent amount of money, and they're not going to just shortchange it and bring in some bum. You know, off, off yeah. the street, they're going to actually pay their backups. The, the way they have performed, 
once once Drew Brees went down, you kind of figured, all right, if they can tread water, they can go three and three, four and four when with Brees out. Then Brees comes back, they'll be able to sneak into the playoffs, make him and make a run. Instead, they've pretty much won out. Yep. They've looked dominant on defense. They're they're keeping electric offenses in check. And if if it weren't for Drew Brees getting hurt mid game and having to throw Teddy Bridgewater into a game plan that maybe wasn't tailor made for him, the Saints could be undefeated. Yeah, that's a scary thing considering Teddy Bridgewater has been their their quarterback for most of the season, and he's been for the most part until this week he was just doing game managing stuff. This week he really broke out, had himself a great day. If he can continue on that trend and be a playmaker, oh, that team is dangerous. That team is, especially when Drew, Drew Brees comes back, because the way the defense is playing, that that team is definitely, I, I would have to put them at number two and Kansas City at number three. Yep, yeah. And what I'm going to do is, for me, I'm going to keep it KC two, Saints three, just because of the unknown about Brees. But, again, I did not expect them to do what they've done without Drew Brees in the absence of Drew Brees. It's crazy. Yeah. They beat that Cowboys team in a barn burner 12 to 10 win. Like if you told me that would happen without Drew Brees, I I'd call you a liar. <laughs> like yeah. wild. Number 3 though. And again, it it's like I can't really not pick these guys just cuz I hate Aaron Rodgers, but I think the Packers arguably could be the third best team right now through the first five weeks. You can make the case. I think I think wait, there's a recency bias because the Chiefs just lost. Yep. And so we we kind of have to take that step back now. Oh, I'm sorry. This would be four. Them. This would be team number four because we had Saints and Chiefs at two and three. Okay. Good, good, good. Yeah, I agree with Packers at four. I totally agree with Packers at four. Then. Yep. Uh, they've looked very well. Andrew, Andrew Jones killing it. Four touchdown games. Even though I'm pretty sure nobody else really did anything. They didn't need anyone else to do anything the way Aaron Jones was running and catching at will. Yep. That's not a good look for the Dallas Cowboys, who we thought after about three weeks, they were in definite shape to be able to make a Super Bowl run. Now they've sort of come back down to earth the last two weeks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that's it's crazy, too, because, I mean, they ha- like it's all there for them. Like they, they have a talented enough team to make a legit Super Bowl run. But, like, again, are they, are they going to get bogged down by any distractions or, you know, contract stuff, anything like that? I don't know. You know, is their offense going to truly be consistent, consistently, like, high octane? That's... Yeah. They're going to need it because if they're not consistently playing at that level, at that high level, I don't trust their defense. Yeah, and it's not that they weren't able to get on the board, score points, rack up yards. It's just they they turned the ball over too much. They weren't able to convert enough situations. And then the, their defense, like you said, they just got gutted by one player. And mm-hmm. You just cannot have that. You cannot have a defense that can let one person run wild on you if you have Super Bowl aspirations. Yep. And so 
I'm not even thinking about Cowboys at number five. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no, they they don't deserve number five. Simply, they just don't. I have I have two teams in mind for number five. What about you? I think I think you know who I'm going to put there at five, Ryan. Uh, oh, oh, come on. Seahawks, oh. Seahawks. Oh, yeah, Seahawks, number five. They round out my top five in our first little power rankings here, five weeks into the season. Yeah, yeah. Eat that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like how... All right, look. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's go back to Thursday night, since you want to tout your Seahawks. Yep. Yes. They won the game, but this, you have to understand here, they should have won that game by so much more. They yeah. were, the fact that they made it a one-possession, a one-point game, they only won by one, and the fact that it, they needed Greg Zerline, Legatron, to miss a 40-something-yard field goal at the buzzer to walk out of that with a W, it's a bad look for the Rams. But it's an, I think it, it's the Rams, the Seahawks didn't win that game. The Rams lost that game. Yeah, Their yeah. tackling was god awful. Jared Goff was awful. Yeah, because he is awful. Two minute, no, no, he was awful until the two minute mark in the the second quarter. Once he went into the two minute offense, the no huddle offense, he started to get things going, and the Seahawks had trouble slowing them down when they were working into the no huddle. And that's why they were able to put on 29 points for base in basically just over a half of, of football. But for the Seahawks to let them get back into that game after such a dominant start and then survive. They didn't win. They survived. Uh, they haven't. That's their best win on the season. It's, it's a solid one for sure. But I would have to go with the 49ers who are currently undefeated. Oh. Uh, I would have to put them at number five. They, they've got one of the best rushing attacks in the game. They've got several capable running backs. Kittle is pretty much their only receiving threat. But if the other guys like Dante Pettis and others can good step up, good one, yes, and be productive, um, they, they really... That could be a solid team if Garoppolo is able to stay healthy and, and be productive himself. Because that defense looks solid. The rushing attack looks really, really good. If they're able, if the defense is able to keep the opponents in check and they're able to have their way with running the ball, they don't need Garoppolo to do much, really. I mean... And you, you saw that last night. Yeah, yep, and... Well, if they're in your top five, Ryan, if they're in your top five, you better hope that they crumble because you don't have them making the playoffs. I mean, Zach is oh, looking real good me. right now. I hey, huh? I, oh yeah, no, I <laughs> I don't think it'll last. But I'm looking at what I've seen for the first quarter of the season. They're undefeated. Yes, they haven't really played too many teams. Just like that are have been great. The yeah, their quality their of competition fault, has been suspect. But that's because other teams like the Browns have just faltered, just not like way too overhyped and whatnot. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see how they they stack up against a Rams team that played in the Super Bowl last year. We'll we'll see. This is their first, I would say, real test. And then we'll go from there. They got to play Seattle twice. They got to play the Rams twice. They got to play others. We'll see what they're made of. 
Right. I but want for now, yeah. top five. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, you got to go by the eyeball test. And honestly, yeah, I if I had to slate them, they, they'd be in the six or seven range. But they they are what they are right now. They're 4-0. They already had their bye week. So that's that's one thing that could come into play with guys maybe – you know, getting a little fatigued or banged up towards the end of the season. But that's a, yeah, it's pretty solid top five. Pretty solid. I, I think, you know, we both kind of agreed on, you know, the the top heavy part there. and Yeah, the top four, we had the same team. Yeah. But just a little mismatched. So I'll take that. I'll take that. We can, we can get uh, Jonathan and Zach's as well before this uh, slate of games this weekend. So we can figure that out. But, yeah, I think I think we should transition, take a little bit of a little Patriots thoughts cuz I want to at least get your get your assessment right now on stuff like, you know, Ben Watson gets cut, Pats are working now with about 3.7 million in cap space. Uh they're obviously looking to make a trade with a move like that. Um, it's possible. It's also possible that they feel comfortable with Izzo and Lacoste. It's they, maybe they they've seen enough where they feel comfortable with those two those two guys. They obviously haven't done much. They haven't impact made a huge impact in the passing game. They they must be very comfortable with them blocking and being able to contribute when their numbers are called. And that's kind of shocking. We thought Ben Watson would be the little spark sort of at this part in the season to help push the, another threat into the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it appears Belichick just doesn't want to do that. And maybe I think you're right. He probably does have eyes on a trade. Who that is uh, could be an A.J. Green if if he's trying to make a huge splash. If he's trying to keep it low-key, he might just do an Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, yeah. But... He, he, I think for now, he just feels comfortable with the guys he has at tight end and wants to keep his other options for trades uh, just available. And so right, this is the move right. he had to make. Right. And on the A.J. Green front, I saw that he was quoted to say, you know, he, he like, is inspired by guys like Larry Fitz, Fitzgerald who are, like, lifers and they stay with one team and they're sort of known for that, so... And then also Drake Kirkpatrick came out as well and sort of warned the front office, like, oh, you better not do it. Like, basically saying you trade him, like, locker room's going to turn on you. Like, paraphrasing a little bit, but that's essentially what he said. Yeah, Uh, basically he's saying, you trade A.J. Green, I'm next. I better be next. Yeah. And and when I'm next, uh, there's going to be a whole lot of other people that won't Mm -hmm. be too far behind so you trade one of us, you might as well trade all of us and do a full rebuild without us because we want no part. Yeah, for sure. So would, I wouldn't put it past the Bengals to do that regardless. But, yeah, is it an A.J. Green, Emmanuel Sanders? Uh, do they bring in a guy like Crabtree, who I think is still out there? I don't know. But they really did hurt themselves cap-wise with that Antonio Brown move, man. They really did. Yeah, in, in, the, in the long run, it didn't work out, which is unfortunate. I still think it was a, a risk worth taking, 
because yep. you, it's not often you're able to just pluck a guy with that kind of football talent and add him to your roster. But yeah, didn't work out, and now we're kind of squeezed money-wise for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And so we have to live with that decision. And it's tough, but I think if anyone is equipped to handle such a salary cap squeeze, I think it's Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Yeah, he knows the that's cap. Not like even no a bias. That's not even a biased statement. It's just a fact of life. Yep. Literally. So I'm not. I'm just not too worried about it. If you if you start seeing guys get hurt, well, that seriously, like we you see an Edelman go down long term or Gordon gets suspended again. That's the thing. One guy like goes that, down, you're, you're done. Then then you're gonna really regret it. But for now, it's fine. Yeah, and you know you see other things too from that game against the Redskins. Sony Michelle getting involved a little bit in the passing game, stuff like that. And I also mentioned too, like why can't we get a little bit of, of Damian Harris out there when it's proven that rookie running backs are like they usually succeed, like they they typically do pretty well. Um, like you got your Josh Jacobs over there uh, in Oakland who's doing well. I'm not saying Damian Harris is going to like take over Sony Michelle's job, but it would just be nice to incorporate another body, maybe another body that could be a little bit of a hybrid or maybe an end zone like Damian Harris. Maybe he'd be a good guy to plug in there on third and short, fourth and short, goal line plays. It's just a thought. I don't know why they just like refuse to roll him out there. It's possible that they want to keep they, they, they like what they see in him, but they almost want to keep him as a perfectly 100%, like as close to 100% as 100% gets in football, mm-hmm. uh, fresh for the stretch run. It, it's almost like, hey, we're going to go with Sony, we're going to go with Rex, James, White, and sprinkle in a little Brandon Bolden here, which is wild. Yeah, I, but, I'm, I'm out on Brandon Bolden running the ball. I'm out. Yeah, but that's that's what we're doing here. It almost seems like they're, they're just holding back Damian Harris. They're waiting. They're waiting to just like, uh, I don't want to say unleash him because when he suits up and plays I don't and gets snapped, it's not going to be much for anything, I think, at the start yeah. when he starts getting reps. But I, it almost feels like a situation where they, they're saving him so that when they do throw him in there, he is fresh and he can spell people. And then he'll compared to other guys he'll be going up against that'll be in like come like week 12 or 13 a lot of the guys he could be facing on defense will be 11 12 13 starts deep yeah true. whereas he'll he'll be perfectly fresh and able to really just go at it so you wonder if, if belichick is thinking one or two steps ahead in, in saving damian harris for the stretch run and not uh, using or, michael or bennett injury. a ton I mean, we, we just have a lot of running back stuff. I mean, the fact that Brandon Bolden is scoring touchdowns, getting goal line carries, scoring out of the – receiving touchdowns out of the backfield, it just shows the quality of running backs that we have. It's, a, it's kind of an embarrassment of riches, if, yep. if you will. And, and so they, the past just – it's almost like a, a, a situation where you don't feel rushed to get him involved in the offense. Yeah, and, and I understand that. Yeah, for sure. And they, they just they want to keep them healthy, and they will, and should anything happen to a Rex Burkhead or Sony, 
then it's next man up, and you're able to incorporate Damian Harris into that, and he'll be and he'll be one of the precious people on the football field. Right, and kind of like Michael Bennett too. Like they're not really using him a whole lot either. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because we have we have a solid rotation of guys. We don't need to play him 80 snaps a game. We only need like 40 to 50 out of him at most right now. It's true. The way the schedule is lining up. When we get to that meat of the schedule that we've been talking about where it's like six games in a row with the bye week somewhere sandwiched in there. Yeah. Where we think we're playing, we're playing at least solid to really good teams in that stretch. That's where you'll probably see more of the impact guys on defense getting longer, more snaps, longer stretches on the field, less ro- rotation substitutions and whatnot. But for now, I don't, I don't see why why switch it. We've got arguably the best defense in terms of all the, the statistics that you can think of. Oh, easily. So if it's not broke, so don't fix it. Yeah, it is. It really is absurd what they've done defensively. And speaking to that, uh, the linebackers apparently have come up with a nickname. Uh, I don't know if you heard about it. I don't know what you think about it. I have it. not. So, and after they announced the nickname and everything, Barstool are already making T-shirts. Um, they are calling themselves the bo- the Boogeymen. What? The Boogeymen. I must be missing something here. Maybe I'm just not woke enough on Twitter. What, yeah. what am I missing here? Is, is there that like a reference to the WWE? <laughs> I knew you were the going there. I knew. Like, what, what, where are we going with this one? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because they feel like they're they're intimidating, threatening. Like, I, I, that's that's an interesting name. Obviously, I like it, but. I mean, they, they must think that they, they are a, a unit not to be messed with. Uh, yeah. If they're going to throw around a name like that. I would also, not want to mess with them. Season, so maybe they're just trying to mess around and then come November 1st, they'll be like, ha-ha, with a prank. <laughs> I mean, like, when you look at that linebacking core, though, because I remember back in, say, 2015, whatever, 2016, you had your, like, you looked at that defense and you were like, okay, Malcolm Butler, Chandler Jones, Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins, like, how are they going to keep all of them? They can't. Ultimately, they don't. But they bring back Jamie Collins, and now, like, Hightower's looking great. Kyle Van Noy looks like a legit pro bowler. I mean, they, they really are the boogeyman. Like, I'll take it. I'll take it. They are. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. That defense not allowing a pass TD yet. I believe they've allowed a total of, like, I don't even know, but, like, how many points they're actually averaging against, but it's ridiculous. N- not allowing a passing touchdown in the year of 2019 through five games is unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah. This league encourages yeah, passing like no other. And I, I yeah. just, I don't know how that's possible. Do you think that continues this week on a short week uh, against the Giants? Against Daniel the, Jones? I, th- I think you have a pretty good chance at it because, look, uh, short week for both teams. Uh, Pats are home as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're home. I just, I don't know. 
I feel like that defense is going to pick up right where they left off. They got a rookie quarterback. I know he's kind of dynamic, but I think they're going to eat him for lunch, man. I really do. I think this this week the Giants could give you like a little bit of a fight, um, but I don't really yeah, see might, them doing much. They might throw a quick punch or two out the gate, but I, I would expect them to fade down the stretch, if not right out to start. Uh, There's just too many injuries on offense with their skill position players. Saquon unlikely to play. Their backup is out, going to be out with a concussion. Sterling Shepard, doubtful with a concussion. It's pretty much Sterling, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, pretty much Golden Tate. And that's it because Evan Engram is also looking unlikely to play with a sprained MCL. Yikes. Um, I don't, you know, Belichick is just going to shut down Golden Tate. You know, he's just going to take that away. And so you're basically, if you're the Giants and Daniel Jones, you're working with a third string running back out the backfield. And you're working with okay at best wide receivers and, and then backup tight end. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see how that e- equates to anything other than maybe a lucky beat bomb or in just like last week against Washington, a lucky sort of reversal play where they just jet sweep sort of and it just take it to the house. Yeah. I, I just don't see it. I, I don't either. Guys that he'll be working with, I don't see how he'll be able to put up points on the board and come anywhere close to compete, uh, going back and forth with Brady in that offense. I know we got off to a slow start against Washington, but as you saw, we picked it up in the second half, yep. put that game away handily, and I would expect a, a very similar score. I would expect it to be somewhere along the lines of, like, 31 to 6. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Again, this defense, the way they've looked against a rookie quarterback, I don't, it's not a good mix. It's really not a good mix for the Giants. So I would definitely, definitely hammer that, that, that spread. I mean, what, Pat's 16 and a half? Definitely on that. Yeah. But again, this is what we have to deal with until, um, until after their bye week. So, Plenty more blowouts likely to be in store. Uh, until then, I mean, until we get the we get the Browns, we get the the Eagles are really one of the first like big matchups. Yeah. Until then, this is like what we are just left with, just picking at the carcass of whatever team they played that week. But pretty much, yeah, yeah. Sucks, that's, but hey, uh, a win is a win. We we won't complain. We'll take that. Absolutely not. They still have to win these games. They still have to figure out, work on some stuff, which clearly they are. I mean, I think, especially with this offense, they got to figure out, you know, their identity and just get get guys going and figure it out because they have until the bye week, and then hopefully guys can get rested up um, during that bye week and come back firing on all cylinders. So that's that's what they'll need once they start facing stiff competition because... They'll have to win a lot of games like they won in uh, in Buffalo. Maybe a little bit higher scoring, but they'll be of the same nature, I feel like. Yeah, and I, I, I welcome that opportunity because they'll need it for the playoff run. Yep, I agree, man. I absolutely agree. Well, I think that just about does it for us here. 
On this edition of the Mouth and Off Sports Show, Ryan, do you have any closing thoughts? I do not. Go Pats. Thank you. Go Pats. Same here. Thank you again, Ryan, for joining in. This has been the Mouth and Off Sports Show, hosted by Dan Sadik and others that, unfortunately, couldn't be in studio today. But we had Ryan Collin. <laughs> Thank you. We'll see you next week again, same time, 5 to 7 p.m. Follow the show at Mouth and Off Radio. No G for the show to be posted up later on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow Ryan at Brownie1224. Follow me at D Sadek, D-S-A-D-E-K-94. And the show again at Mouth and Off Radio. Thank you all for listening on WBIM 91.5 FM. I'll see you later, Ryan. See you. To the place I belong, West Virginia. Play.